Well, hi there. How you doing? And welcome along to another edition of the 116. My name is Greg Fish. It's a pleasure to have you with us here today. This is the podcast about living life higher, wider, closer, and deeper. The 116 is a presentation of First United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria. Don't forget to like us and share us on social media or on your favorite podcasting platform, whatever the vernacular is, like or subscribe or or um, follow, perhaps. It's all free, and it helps you to stay up to date with all of our broadcasts, and it helps us get the word out when you like us and share us. Go to PeoriaOne.com for more information about us or to leave a message if you have any questions or would like to follow up on anything that you hear here today. And with that in mind, I am so pleased to welcome into the studio today two guests who are part of something really exciting that's coming back to life this year. Because after this long, crazy pandemic, one of the important parts of the life of First United Methodist Church is coming back live and in person this year. And we are so happy to tell you that Lessons and Carols is coming back. Now, some of you will go, yay, Lessons and Carols coming back. Some of you will be going, what? What? So we're going to answer all of your questions this year about all of this and get you really excited about this very special Christmas presentation. And to do so, I want to introduce my guest to you. I have with me uh, Laura Ream, the uh, master clinician for this uh, Lessons and Carols. You like that title, do you? That's that's I'll a work good, with it. Thank you. That's a good one. All right. Um, we'll just. Yeah, never mind. Well, we, I said we'll call you clinician for sure, but that's not even good, is it? Uh, you're a vocal music teacher at Washington Community High School, and you uh, direct the uh, uh, the Philharmonic Chorale at ICC, and the vocal uh, you're the vocal jazz director at Bradley University, right? Yes, correct. All right, that's a lot of work. You, you have a lot on your plate, don't you? That is also correct. And now you're joining in for the lessons and carols, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. And we have Dr. John Orff, who is organist extraordinaire at First United Methodist. This guy is just an extraordinarily talented musician. He's also the uh, interim uh, director of traditional music for us right now. So that means that planning lessons and carols has fallen upon your stout shoulders, and you are the man for the hour. You're the man for the job, aren't you, John? Let's hope so. Let's hope so. All right, very good. So let's just get started this way. One of the interesting things that that we discover in, in taking a serious look at all the stuff that we do is that so many things in the life of the church actually are fairly contemporary in nature, even the things that seem traditional. A lot of the traditions that surround our Christmas celebrations actually aren't that old in a, in a long-term historical perspective. And, and such it is with many of the songs we treasure, and such it is with Lessons and Carols. And John, you did an outstanding article recently, which, by the way, go to peoria1.com to check out that article. But you found out some really interesting things about this idea of Lessons and Carols. So let's start here. What in the world are Lessons and Carols? Thank you, Greg. Uh, lessons and Carols is a service or festival of nine scripture passages that present the Bible's telling of the nativity story, the birth of Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. and what it means for humankind. Uh, There is a fascinating history, as you alluded to, with Lessons and Carols, and it is fairly recent. Uh, The first documented instance of this service uh, that we really know of is uh, a bulletin published in 1880 in uh, Cornwall, uh, southwestern England. And uh, it was meant uh, to bring people out of the taverns and into the church uh, to celebrate the true meaning of Christmas. 
and different churches and cathedrals uh, throughout England started uh, uh, taking note and doing their own versions of this uh, after Truro Cathedral set the example. Uh, but Lessons and Carols, as we know it, really begins in 1918 at, at King's College, Cambridge. Okay. Uh, so there was an army chaplain who had seen the horrors of World War I up close, uh-huh. and he had seen how uh, the effect of war having decimated uh, an entire generation and, and leaving uh, millions mourning uh, in, in its wake, uh, how this had hardened people's hearts. And he wanted to, um, he believed that uh, the gospel offered uh, a, a remedy to help people deal with their grief and bereavement and uh, to reawaken purpose, even after the face of loss. And so he um, uh, had learned about this uh, uh, happening in Truro uh, nearly 40 years earlier. And what he did was he codified nine particular passages of Scripture, uh, starting with Genesis 3 and ending with the opening of the Gospel of John. And these are the lessons Okay. Of lessons and carols, I can tell you what me to uh, uh, help you with a question. So I, I'll just put one one more thing out there. Uh, so, and uh, these have remained unchanged at King's College Cambridge since the year nineteen eighteen. Well, and, and you know, this is part of the conversation we had beforehand, and that is the word lessons. Because when we think of lessons, we think, oh, schoolwork. And actually, it's just the, the name for the fact that that in this program, you you learn some important things about the history of Christ uh, in lesson format, as, along with music, right? Right, and so the music will change uh, from year to year, and uh, King's College has uh, uh-huh. uh, then instituted a program of commissioning new music by all sorts of composers, but there's this wonderful uh, uh, repertory of carols, new uh-huh. and old, and these uh, give these bring the lessons to life beyond the uh, printed uh, text, and so they can illustrate um, uh, the... the, the uh, just the, the wide emotional um, uh, implications of what we hear about in the lessons. And John, what, what is, is there a definition for the word carol? I mean, obviously we, we wouldn't apply carols to like contemporary Christmas songs. Rocking around the Christmas tree isn't a carol. What, how do we understand the term carol? It's a musical genre that's actually thousands of years old, okay. having to do with joy and festivity. And it has pre-Christian um, uh, history for all sorts of pre-Christian festivals, but uh, as with so many things, uh, uh, the church and its evolution, they uh, saw in these activities uh, a kind of a, a pointing to the true source, mm-hmm. as it were, and um, it wasn't really until the 19th century that uh, carols got brought from the traditions of uh, people assembling and singing at uh, people's uh, doors mm-hmm. um, and traveling, and which people still do, but uh, as part of an actual uh, worship service. Yeah. At Christmas Eve, and, and Laura, do you have a? Have you ever actually worked with a technically a, a lessons and carols program before? Or is this your first go around with such a program? This is my first uh, experience with a lessons and carols format. Okay, it, 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 what are the similar things to what you've done before? And I mean, when, when you see it, say, "Oh, this this feels familiar to me." The choral music that was selected for this. Um, Similar to what I have worked with across the board in the ensembles in which I work, the high school students and the adult choir, mm-hmm. uh, there's there are similarities, you know, in in choral singing that will cross across the uh, the um, 
types of ensembles and the makeup of the ensembles. So I was familiar with some of the composers that were chosen and uh, simple practical things, the layout of the music on the page, that sort of thing. Sure, sure. Uh, those, Those sorts of things cross over easily into what I've worked with before. So when it comes to assembling the music for a Lessons and Carols program, where do you begin? Do you begin with what others have done before, or is there a certain level of of innovation to what you do as well? How, how, where do you begin? Well, with the premise that each musical selection follows a certain reading of Scripture, uh, you want to program in such a way that uh, you have a chance to reflect on the the lesson you've just heard. And there are any number of ways uh, that can happen. The, it can be a literal uh, uh, setting of the words of music that have been read, or uh, it can be a, a piece of music where uh, there is a message that takes uh, these ancient texts uh, more into contemporary needs. So one example, uh, the fourth lesson is the dream Isaiah saw, and it is the vision of the uh, uh, eternal peace where the lion lies down with the lamb and the child can stick his hand in the viper's den and not get bit. Um, but uh, I discovered the, a, uh, uh, an original piece of music by Glenn Rudolph, so not a preexistent carol, but it had lyrics by uh, Thomas Troger, who is a wonderful um, uh, poet and, and uh, sacred writer. And uh, this was a piece that was uh, commissioned in the wake of the September 11th tragedy. Mm. And it is a plea, a very urgent uh, plea for peace, which begins um, in A minor and then uh, uh, by, the t- by the work's end uh, ends in an exultant uh, C major. Uh, and it's, it's a bring the dream Isaiah saw, uh, this, this plea for, for justice and, and peace. Yeah. You know, when, when we look at the tradition and the the deep tradition of Christmas music. I realized that personally, I felt kind of shallow myself when, when I, when I came here, this was the first time I'd ever heard of a lessons and carols, at least that I remember. And it's, it's a really interesting concept. It's, but you know, my tradition in Christmas music has been, I mean, I had a mom who listened to Johnny Mathis Christmas albums and that's kind of where, you know, I, I love that music. Uh, just out of curiosity, before we get to the, the makeup of this Lessons and Carols, tell me a little bit about your wheelhouse when it comes to Christmas music. What speaks to your heart when you think of Christmas time? And Laura, I'll start with you on that question. I grew up in a house with all sorts of music being played on records all the time. And so I tend towards sentimental music, mm-hmm. but that was Johnny Mathis. It started sure. um, the Letterman's Christmas album, Herb mm-hmm. Alpert, and the Tijuana Brass mm-hmm. Christmas albums. Um, Things like that. I was involved in music in high school, and I had several opportunities to interact in more of a classical setting. And so um, I had a a diverse experience growing up. And so I have appreciation for all sorts of music. As I have gotten older, I recognize more that those sentimental ties are important for audiences. And so when when I program for groups that I work with, I look for pieces or sounds that connect the audience to Mm -hmm. perhaps memories that they hadn't accessed for a long time. Are are people longing for that more now than ever before as far as coming through this pandemic when things have changed so much? Do you find that people are longing more for the familiar? Very much so. Uh, Not only as a consumer, but as a performer. Mm -hmm. And 
there is such a there is such a demand right now for this this sort of programming for live music to come back again in right. all formats. Right. John, t- talk about your music wheelhouse for well, Christmas celebration. I, I grew up with a number of beloved Christmas classics, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas Special, mm-hmm, and, uh, mm-hmm. Frosty and Rudolph, and all that uh, uh, through television. Nice uh, listening to. Um, um, uh, uh, carols uh, by English choirs, although I, I couldn't tell you which uh, which choirs those were uh, necessarily, but uh, uh, also Boston Pops, um, symphonic arrangements of beloved carols, and uh, the holiday season was not complete uh, without them and without singing them in church um, in Advent and, and uh, Christmas. Um, and then uh, later, I, the more deeply I got into music, uh, the more I encountered the Christmas cantatas by Johann Sebastian Bach and mm-hmm. um, a, a sacred literature uh, that went beyond um, the favorite and, and favorite tunes um, that I personally sang. Nice. Um, nice. So let's let's take it from here then. Uh, the the listener is is thinking, oh, this sounds like a really interesting way to spend my my Christmas. I really want to check this out. When they come to uh, First United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria. What are they going to experience from the time they walk into the room to the time they leave when they come to Lawson's and Carol's? What, what is this evening going to look like? And I'll let you two just divide that up between you however you wish. Oh, well, I, I guess I'll start because um, I've, this, this will be the, the eighth uh, such uh, uh, service I've assisted. Okay. Um, and I've primarily assisted as an organist. Um, in those recent years, but uh, what I've noticed is that there's, there's all sorts of Christmas celebrations around uh, the area, which uh, I believe to be a good thing. In fact, there's there's so many, sometimes uh, we run across uh, collisions because uh, there's so many celebrations, and right. I, I would rather have that than uh-huh. a lack of celebration. So, sure, sure. Um, but I, I would say, while there there are some places that put on, I'd say, a bigger... Uh, a, a bigger celebration or a more secular celebration. Uh, this Lessons and Carols at First United Methodist has a reputation for heart and depth and uh, a real connection to um, what what we as people uh, need this time of year. Mm-hmm. And um, that will be apparent in the, uh, uh, the, the music and uh, the affects it uh, brings forth. There, uh, there is a title... Um, uh, Lessons and Carols doesn't always have a, a subtitle, um, but that's been a tradition here at FUMC. And uh, very recently, we have uh, uh, arrived at Tidings of Comfort and Joy. Love it, and that covers yeah. everything uh-huh. uh, because there's been so much fear and anxiety in recent times. Uh, of course, underscored by the pandemic and everything related to it, and uh, we we do need comfort and joy. Yeah. And, and but Lessons and Carols is both a visual as well as audio experience, right? Auditory experience is what I'm trying to say. When I've noticed that there's a lot of decorations, a lot of lighting that goes along with this. Is that not the case this year? The the church will be decorated mm-hmm. as it customarily has been. Um, uh, we uh, There will be an orchestra mm-hmm. um, with the uh, sanctuary choir, and soloists, uh, our interim uh, handball director, Heather Hill, is uh, leading the uh, Bells of Praise. And um, there will be appropriate lighting uh, for for the uh, uh, music and readings that we hear. Very good. Very good. Awesome. 
So, Laura, what are you looking forward to when it comes to this presentation that you think, I want to make sure people know about this because this is going to be really awesome. One of the great experiences in preparing live music is the first time that you put an orchestra with the choir or or start the synthesis process. Sure. And I think that's very rewarding for the performers as well as the audience. The audience here is more of the finished product, but I, I still get excited when I hear things come together for the first time. By the way, just a, an interesting side note to the audience as well, as the the, uh, the traditional sanctuary uh, here at the church is uh, is an old dome-styled facility, so be careful what you whisper because somebody across the room may hear you. Uh, it's just, It's got some really weird acoustics, but it... it Wow, does it ever bring the music alive when you get that orchestra in there and the choir? Uh, Even if that's not the type of music you normally listen to, that will be just a goosebump experience for you. Uh, Do you have that? Even though you've heard this type of music over and over again, do you still get that? those goosebumps when you hear music in the, in a, in a hall, like we have here for the first time. I'd say absolutely. Um, Lars had a moment ago about uh, people needing to hear live music. Uh, I wholeheartedly concur. Uh, that's been my observation as well. Yeah. Live music is always so much better anyway. I mean, any format of music, any, anywhere from the, uh, the orchestral music to bluegrass music it is always better jazz. It's always better live. I think there's something about it that's not quite as accessible. Why do you think that is? What, what is it about a live experience, especially in a, a season of year that is such an emotional, I want to use the word touchy feely, but I guess that's a good way of putting it time, time of year for us. That it's important to see musicians uh, applying their craft, mm-hmm. applying their art, and being able to observe that firsthand is important. You can see it on a screen, but you may not understand the depth to which someone is is working to perform. And when you see it live, you're much more able to see that. You're able to see the whole picture where the screen offers you whatever the screen decides to offer you. Mm-hmm. And that I think is important in in preparing this and and as a whole experience with lighting and and all of the elements together it becomes more impressive when you see it live. Yeah. You feel that way too, John? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh let's talk a little bit about the music the folks will be hearing then. Uh from the familiar to maybe the, the not so familiar. What will we be hearing this year at Lessons and Carols? Where should we begin? <laughs> With the program, why don't you talk about the pieces in the program and I can follow up. Well, we'll have a, it will begin with a festive overture, a Boston Pops classic, uh, Christmas Scherzo, a medley arranged uh, very brilliantly by uh, Don Sebesky. And uh, then we will, um, we will hear the lessons. Um, The first lesson establishes the uh, fall of humanity and the need for a savior in Genesis three. And, um, so, so I reached, uh, really back into a medieval territory because there aren't too many hymns about Adam and, or the fall, mm-hmm. but there, there is one called Adam lay bound and then there's a brilliant arrangement by Boris Ord. Uh, so, um, uh, we will hear that acapella and then, uh, Genesis 22, uh, Abraham nearly sacrificing Isaac, which Christians have understood as a prefiguration of God, the father's actually sacrificing his only begotten son. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the sins of, of the world, um, uh, that that uh, will follow with a congregational hymn. 
um, called Low He Comes with Clouds Descending, the very high English cathedral style. Um, and then verse 3, which talks about a light shining forth in the darkness. Um, we'll hear an American uh, Appalachian uh, folk tune, My Song in the Night, and out of that will emerge Felix Mendelssohn's There Shall a Star from Jacob Come Forth. Nice. And uh, that's the first uh, third of the lessons, and then uh, the dream Isaiah saw, and then uh, Yezu, the very thought is sweet, uh, medieval, uh, another medieval devotional text uh, set by Mac Wilberg. And then we'll have a black American Christmas spiritual, Mary Had a Baby. Uh, handbells will ring, It Came Upon the Midnight Clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll hear a French carol, What is This uh, Goodly Fragrance, immediately followed by uh, African Noel, uh, very skillfully arranged with Gotelet on the Mountain. And then um, there's, there's a magnificent uh, setting of, uh, of the Father's Love Begotten. And then finally, uh, brand new setting of uh, Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence. And then, mirroring the tradition in King's College, Cambridge, uh, all the forces will combine, uh, including congregation, to sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Nice, nice. That he pretty much covered most of what. Uh, Laura, what's your favorite piece from the carols? That's a great question. I, I appreciate, I think, the intentionality with which John chose the texts and the pieces and the music and mm-hmm. and the repertoire overall. I do really appreciate um, my song in the night because there's another setting of it that I was familiar with, but I wasn't familiar with this one. And I always appreciate learning a new arrangement, new um, approaches to the same melody and so that's probably one of my favorites. And it doesn't have an overtly Christmas text, but it, it does it does very much tap into a certain emotion. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and it's it's very effective when you when a composer will pair words and music and, and arranging together all of this um, to create something that will speak to not only the audience but the singers as they prepare. Yes. Yeah. So, what should the uh, the listener expect when they come in here? What what's why expects not the right word. What what should we do to come to prepare ourselves for what? Because this is going to be just a, a really lovely, uh, pleasing experience, both in our senses as well as what we hear and so forth. How how can we best prepare ourselves for a lessons in carols? Is it something that's good to uh, with a with prayer, with a family meal, how, how, how would our listeners best prepare for lessons and carols? With open ears. Okay, nice. That's, I like that. Perfect answer. Yeah, with open ears. Anything else uh, about lessons and carols that excites you that you say, hey, I really want to make sure I, I say this before we go? I would say, too, that to prepare to be challenged. Mm. These are not necessarily um, familiar pieces all. In fact, uh, a number of them were new settings to me. And again, listening for that interaction of text and music and how it fits together with the orchestra and and listening to hear what that communicates is very important. Uh, That's that's part of the the work for the audience to do as well as the, the musicians preparing it. Very nice. You know, another important factor here that would probably be good to close on is the fact that just thinking about the time that we've just come through and the concerns we still may have about the safety of being out in public. And fortunately, I believe right now our numbers are, are doing better, but you, 
there's a month, <laughs> almost almost a month. It's it's a little bit earlier in in December, and we'll give those dates in just a moment. So, what should uh, people do as far as uh, will masks be required still? We're asking. This is not the kind of thing we we, we can force, but we're, we're asking people to um, come. We we hope that people have made the choice to uh, vaccinate themselves. Um, in light of the uh, current uh, best available uh, public knowledge. Uh, we have been asking uh, uh, people who come to our uh, worship service uh, as a uh, consideration for their fellow neighbor um, to please wear masks. Uh, I know that we are already uh, to not need masks anymore. Um, it, it is encouraging to see numbers go down, and may they continue to uh, decline um, we were just in, in the spirit of of uh, loving our neighbors ourselves. Uh, sure, sure. Please take that precaution, even though we're already we're already to move past. Yeah. Do Do we know yet if we're going to ask for pre registration? I don't believe we know that at this time. So just kind of keep your eye out on on our Facebook page, for example. We'll yes. let we'll let people yes. know that information, or or the website PeoriaOne.com. We'll have that right there on the front page. Uh, how, how much does it cost to attend, and when is the concert, John? Uh, admission is free. Um, nice. This is uh, something uh, that's been a boon for the community over uh, many years uh, since this church has done it. Um, and the uh, dates and times are Saturday, December 11th at 6 p.m. Okay. and Sunday, December 12th at 11.15 a.m. Very good. Very good. And we are looking forward to that. Thank you so much both for taking time out of your, well, What's becoming a day full of practices as well? Are, are you practicing a lot these days? Does that take a lot? Of, does it take a lot of practice to put something like this together? I'm guessing it probably does. Is it kind of an overwhelming thing? Definitely, everything I'm doing right now has a lot of rehearsal to go with it. It must be so rewarding though once you've gotten through all that rehearsal and then the, the performance time comes and and all those things that you wonder, oh, will this ever work out? Doesn't it just kind of always seem to work out on performance day? It does. It's not quite um, quite as simple as that sometimes, but right, it is. Right. Um, but it it is very rewarding. It is very rewarding, and I think it's important for the participants to see that the hard work that they put in then does pay off at the end. Very nice. And uh, just uh, Laura, before you go, where else uh, might we find you working this holiday season? Any special holiday events you are a part of that uh, you'd like to give a quick plug for as well? Uh, at Washington High School, we are opening our musical, uh, Anastasia, that opens on Thursday. It it runs Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of this coming week. And let's give the date of that because sure. this, somebody may be listening to it after sure. the date. So. Um, 18th, 19th, and 20th of, of November. November. Mm-hmm. Um, the Philharmonic Chorale has um, their concert on Sunday, November 28th at 2.30 at ICC at the Performing Arts Center. Nice. And Bradley Vocal Jazz performs this Wednesday at Dingledine Music Center at 7.30. All right. John, are you pretty much occupied here at the church this year, or do you have any things besides this? It pretty much well. Um, you might know I already play uh, core keyboard um, in a new music group called Alarm Will Sound. Uh, increasingly, I've also been playing in present music uh, up in Milwaukee and um, other, other mostly solo piano performances. Uh, I can tell you that, uh, uh, as Laura's done with uh, choral uh, uh, preparation, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes work. Um, I've ordered uh, singer masks, uh, mm. which have come in uh, for everyone singing. I've created MIDI practice tracks. 
Um, I've uh, become an orchestral librarian and uh, contracted uh, players uh, uh, in a couple cases from great distances. Um, but it's it's all what needs to happen for this to uh, be the service it needs to be. Well, we are looking forward to it, and we are just so thankful again for your time here. And by the way, if you have any questions for us or for uh, Dr. John Orff, you can contact us all through the website, PeoriaOne.com. You'll find uh, forms on there you can send in to contact, and you'll also find uh, little buttons on the uh, staff page that you can send email to us directly. So if you have any questions or any follow-up questions for anybody, uh, feel free to send those along. Well, again, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure to have you both in our studio, and have a blessed Christmas. Thank you, Greg. Thank you. All right. And uh, the podcast you've just heard, the 116, is a podcast about living life higher, wider, closer, and deeper. It's a presentation of First United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria. Don't forget to like us and share us on social media. We're available on all podcast platforms as well as YouTube. Be, for, be sure to follow, subscribe, or leave a, uh, leave a review. That helps us out a lot. And go to peoria1.com for more information about us and to leave us messages, as I mentioned a few moments ago. I'm Greg Fish. It has been a pleasure having you along with us here on the 116. And have a happy holidays and Merry Christmas if you happen to listen to this before said holidays and Christmas. Mm-hmm.